As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, listeners. Jess here. Have you heard our newest show, Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches? Winnie Taylor is just a teenager when her mother dies, sending her to Cleveland to reunite with her dad, a former football player. It's an inspirational story about sports, family, and learning to overcome the barriers that hold us back. Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches has something for everyone. Action-packed football games, a story about friendship, and a father-daughter story that will warm everyone's heart. I know you're going to love it. Follow Winnie Taylor's Fourth and Inches wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free with a GZM family subscription. Head to gzmshows.com for more. Hi, and welcome back to Bebop Tales, the show where I, Bebop, tell the stories from my life. You know, when I first started out as the intro bot for the alien adventures of Finn Caspian, I didn't remember my life on my planet so well. But now that we're on to episode four, it's all coming back to me. And how did I forget about surfing on the backs of tiny whales or running around with armored pandas? Who knows, but lucky for me, I have you listeners here to help me remember. Natasha from Chicago, for instance, wrote in to remind me that I once talked about how I may or may not have had a run-in with dinosaurs at one point. That question is answered today, and I asked you all a question about the code I needed to enter on the mysterious black box that was controlling the robots under Baron Sway. Well, a lot of you wrote in to help jog my memory, including Elliot from Potomac, Maryland, Bryce from Sudbury, Massachusetts, Desmond and Julia from Chicago, Leaf and Mauer from San Diego, Brennan from Portland, Maine, Nina and Michael from San Carlos, California, Lev and Clara from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Finn from Melbourne, Australia, Quinn from Chicago, and Owen, who's 10 years old, who's from Philmont, New York. That was a lot of code breakers. Thank you all for your correct answers. Okay, so before I reveal what the answer was, let me get my impression of Jonathan going. Okay, I've been working on this all week, and I know I got it right this time. Here we go. Hi, I'm Jonathan Messenger. I am the one they call Jonathan Messenger. Hey, Johnny Mess here. Okay, all right, I almost got it. I almost got it. Here we go. Ready? Here's the last one. <coughs> ham. Ham, 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 ham. Ham, ham. Okay, no, something is seriously wrong here. I apologize. I don't know why that ham thing keeps happening, and it's getting worse. I'm going to have to see if I can get back to my planet and have Dr. Percolator look at that. Okay, let me see if I can just clear my throat here. <coughs> Let's <coughs> get <coughs> the <coughs> show <coughs> started. There we go. Here is five-year-old Zella from Chicago who cracked the code and is going to tell us the answer right now, and then we'll go right into the story. Take it away, Zella. Hi, this is Zella from Chicago, 
And I think I figured out the code, and I think the code is right up, left, right up, down, left up, left again. I figured out the code from the story. Bebop stared at the keypad on the box. He punched in. Left, down, left, right, down, up, left, right. A jolt of electricity went through him. Ow! Tiny, what are you doing back there? It was Basil Stag Bear, standing up to Baron's robots on the other side of the box. Sorry, but at least I know now it's only nine keys. Let's try right, left, down, right, up, left, left, down. Tiny! Down, right, left, down, right, up, left, left, down. Ah, isn't that the one you just tried? Well, look, don't just pick random numbers. Think of a pattern. Any pattern. You mean like up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right? Sure, like that, but maybe a little less obvious. Well, I do have this one stuck in my head. Right, up, left. Right, up, down. Left, up, left. That's not a pattern. That's... Hey, wait a second. The panel Bebop was typing on suddenly receded and the box opened up, each side falling to the ground, revealing what looked like an old, beat-up computer inside. Do you think this is what's telling the robots what to do? Said Basil. I don't think so. I mean, it's kind of small and... Mommy! 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 Yelled all of the robots. Okay, yeah. I guess it's their mommy. Well, there's only one thing to do, said Basil. He pulled out his sword and raised it above his head. No, wait. You can't do that. It's their mommy. Said Bebop. Mommy! 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 But that mommy is commanding an evil laser robot army. Just hold on a second. Bebop walked over to the computer and pressed three buttons. The screen on the computer went blank, and all of the robots slouched, their programming turning off. What was that? Yield, control, alt, delete, said Bebop. Fixes every computer problem known to man, robot, or panda. Slowly, all of the pandas, Dr. Percolator, Bebop, and Whip all came together. Why is Baron using robots now? Has he given up on magic? Asked King Matthias. No, I don't think so, said Dr. Percolator. It looks like he actually enchanted this computer to control all of those bots. The panda army had begun to clean up the island, rolling the shutdown robots into a large door of the castle and carefully handling the mother computer. I believe this is it for us, said King Matthias. We can't go any further with you, not with what's happened here. We're going to need to heal, and we're going to need some time to rebuild. But we can't stop now, Matthias, said Dr. Percolator. If we're going to take down Baron, then we have to strike now. I'm sorry, but I can't... I'll do it, said Bebop. Tiny, please. You're not going to do it alone. There are plenty of... No, it's my duty, and I defeated Baron three times already. King Matthias looked Bebop over. You may be good at defeating robots, robot, but when it comes to magic, you'll be at Baron's mercy. I'll tell you what, I can spare one bear. Somebody summon Pandolf. A panda bear wearing a long gray robe and sporting a gray beard and nearly reached his knees, stepped forward, using a long staff to help him walk. Pandolf is our greatest wizard. He will help you defeat Baron. Oh, wizard. I didn't know you pandas were wizards, too. Please, allow me to demonstrate some magic. 
said Pandolf, stepping toward Bebop. Pick a card. Any card. But don't you have to show me a deck of cards first? Oh, right. One second. I have one here in my robe. Hold on a second. Not in that pocket. Not in that one. You know, maybe I left it in my flying carpet. Oh, hold on a second. Ah, uh, here it is. Now, pick a card. Any card. Don't you have to open the pack of cards first? Oh, of course. How silly of me. Yes. Let me just fan them out really quickly there. Now, pick a card. Any card. Okay, fine. I'll take this one. It's the King of Diamonds. Um, no. Actually, it's the Three of Clubs. Oh. Or is it? Bebop looked down at the card in his hand, and it slowly transformed until the card went from black to red, and the clubs turned to diamonds, and a king appeared on the face. Huh? Neat trick. Said Bebop. Magic! Said Pandolf. Okay, yeah, I mean, it was... Magic! Yeah, I mean, it was... Magic! This is what it's going to be like the whole time, isn't it? The next day, Pandolf and Bebop set out on a boat for Baron's Island. Though it was hundreds of miles away, the smoke from the volcano made it easy to track. They took turns resting, and Pandolf practiced his magic on the deck, though Bebop had the feeling that maybe he was showing off a bit. Incendious! A fireball leapt from his hand. Luminous! A lightning bolt shot from his finger. Frogious! A frog fell out of his armpit. That's a weird one, said Bebop. Uh, they can't all be winners. When their boat neared the island, they could right away sense that something was wrong about it. Aside from the smoking volcano and the rivulets of lava that ran down the side, there was no movement, no sounds. The two approached the foot of the volcano, where a strange purple energy field seemed to block their way. Bebop took a step forward. It's the King of Diamonds. Bebop looked around. He was back on the Panda's Island again, and Pandolf was demonstrating his card trick again. Wait, didn't we already do this? Yes, said Pandolf. Baron must have put a time-bounce shield on his island. We cross a certain barrier, and we get sent back in time. So then why are you still doing your trick? So I can say, magic! The two set out again, and this time, when they got to the foot of the volcano, they approached it very carefully. Maybe we should try to jump over the barrier, said Bebop. Here we go. One, two, three. Magic! The two were back with everyone else again on the Panda Island. They returned to the volcano again. Bebop picked up a stick and poked it into the barrier. Magic! They set sail again, returned to the island, and Bebop this time tried to put his hand just flat against the time bounce shield. King of Diamonds! Magic! Nope. Said Bebop? What do you mean, nope? You got it wrong. I changed my mind. It's not the King of Diamonds. You can't change your mind. It's- Don't say it. The next time they were at the foot of the volcano, Bebop was all out of ideas, and more than a little tired of having to see Pandolf's card trick over and over again. Okay. Said Bebop. This is serious magic, right? This time-bound shield? And you're sure you don't know any spell that could counteract it? I do know one spell, where you put a rabbit into a bucket of water, and a minute later, it comes out of a closet completely dry. What? What rabbit? That is not helpful. Okay, 
we've tried walking across, we've tried jumping across, we've tried poking the shield or whatever this thing is. So I guess there's only one thing left to try. You mean give up? No, never. We have to run across. Are you ready? Three, two, one, go. Where, where are we? King of Diamonds! Magic! No, Pandolf, we're not back on your island, we're somewhere else. It's so humid here, I can feel all the moisture in my circuitry. If we don't get out of here soon, I'm gonna go haywire. Hmm, said Pandolf. That mountain there looks familiar, doesn't it? Kind of the same shape as the one on Baron's Island. But there's no smoke coming out of it. Yeah, and come to think of it, this whole place kind of looks like Baron's Island. Except more alive. I don't remember hearing this many birds and bugs. Uh-oh. I have a bad feeling about this. The two looked up, and flying across the sky was a giant bird. Or not a bird, exactly. It had an enormous wingspan. And almost a furry coat. Was that... A pterosaur. Said Bebop. Flying lizard. It looks like we got time bounced all the way back to the Cretaceous period. So this is Baron's Island, but like 80 million years ago? Great. Way before there were any people around to make art. Now what am I going to eat? I don't think you should be worrying about what you're going to eat, but rather what's going to eat you. Bebop's eyes followed where Pandolf's paw was pointing, and there... Slumbering on a nest was a Tyrannosaurus Rex. It was unmistakable. The huge jaws, the tiny arms, the enormous, powerful legs. You know, I've always thought dinosaurs were not as tough as people say. Said Bebop, inching closer to the sleeping T-Rex. This is a bad idea. This is a really bad idea. Said Pandolf. We should be looking for some sort of shelter or something. But Bebop was already at the foot of the T-Rex. There in front of him were the sharp claws at the end of its toes. Bebop looked back at Pandolf. Don't do it. Bebop lightly tapped the toe of the T-Rex and began walking back to Pandolf. That counts. You saw it. I fought that T-Rex hand to claw. That doesn't count. Totally counts. How does tickling a sleeping T-Rex count as... As... Magic. Said Bebop. But as soon as he said it, he knew something was wrong. Pandolf's gray beard had gone completely white. It woke up, didn't it? Yeah. And it's right behind me, isn't it? Uh-huh. Sigh. Okay. Let's run. Go, 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 go. The two took off into the woods, the T-Rex roaring behind them. They weaved in and out of trees, trying to find paths that made it slower going for the T-Rex. They came to a stream and were ready to leap across when... The T-Rex jumped in their way, its tail whipping around. That way, said Pandolf. Back toward the mountain. They raced through the underbrush as T-Rex bounded behind them. Suddenly his jaws snapped shut, but only caught the tail of Pandolf's robe, pulling it off of his shoulders. It's okay, said Pandolf, now running in just his fur. It was kind of weird for a panda bear to be wearing a robe anyway, to be honest. The two made it out of the jungle and started up the rocky mountainside. The T-Rex, having gulped down the robe, was now a few steps behind them. Oh, okay. Said Pandolf. Now that I have some room to work, 
Let me see if I can get that fast-forward spell working. You have a fast-forward spell? Why didn't you just use it before? We could have just fast-forwarded to the part where we face off with Baron. Because it's no fun knowing what's going to happen. Are you kidding? I love spoilers. Pandolf began his incantation, swinging his magic staff in circles in the air. The clouds above them darkened, and the wind whipped around. And just as Pandolf was about to complete the spell, the T-Rex ate his magic staff. Oh, come on. That was my only one. But something was happening. The T-Rex's belly began to glow. Um, good news. The spell is working. Bad news. It's happening inside the T-Rex. The dinosaur was confused and scared by his glowing stomach and forgot all about Pandolf and Bebop. Come on, grab hold! Pandolf and Bebop leapt onto the dinosaur's tail and... They were back. Bebop, Pandolf, and the T-Rex were all back in the right time period. And thanks to the fact that they had run up the volcano in the Cretaceous period, they were now standing inside the Time Bounce Shield. Bebop and Pandolf both turned slowly and looked at the T-Rex. Hey, listen, we didn't mean you any harm, and we got this bad guy who lives in a volcano, so maybe it's best if we just parted ways as friends. It's okay. I'm not going to eat you. What? You can talk. Yeah, of course I can talk. I mean, you're a walking computer, and you're a panda wizard, so I don't see why it's so weird that I can talk. Fair enough, said Bebop. He filled in the dinosaur about where they were and how the world depended on them to defeat Baron once and for all. Okay, sign me up, said the dino. Bebop smiled. He had done it. He had broken through Baron's defenses. He had brought with him a wizard with at least a couple of cool spells. And now he had a talking T-Rex to help him face whatever was next. Bring it on, Baron. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, magic tricks and time travel never fail. Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales, Bebop Tales. Okay, thank you so much again to all of the kids who helped me crack the code at the beginning of the episode. You all guessed correctly that it was the pattern that Basil took me through in the hallway of the castle when we were escaping. And speaking of Basil, someone told me there's actually a book called Red Wall by Brian Jakes, and that there's a character in that book by the name of Basil Stag Hare that's awfully similar to the Basil from my life. I will be looking into this matter closely, and I recommend that you do as well. Okay, speaking of looking into... Hold on a second. Let me put on my bib. Ah, now we have some delicious art for me to gaze at. I'm not going to eat it just yet. Jonathan told me that it is rude to eat on mic, so as soon as this is over, I'm going to dig in. First up is the art from a brother and sister team, Miles, who's five, and Kira, who's three, 
both from Oakland, California, and both who sent in amazing art. Miles drew this really, really cool jellyfish, and Kara drew some smiling people. And while I know you may find it a little unsavory to eat people or poisonous to eat jellyfish, I find them divine. I can't wait to eat them. We also have another brother-sister team, this time from Cyrus, who is five from Hatfield, Massachusetts. He drew me three spaceships, which I plan on eating one per day. And I think it was just Cyrus's birthday. So happy birthday, Cyrus. And his sister, Ellery, drew the mutant whales from a couple episodes back, as well as the bobs from season one of Finn Caspian. And she even properly labeled a bush bob in the drawing. Thanks so much, Ellery. This all looks delicious, everybody. And check out the site, fincaspian.com. You'll see all the art up there by Friday. I'm a little behind. I'm a busy robot. But all of this art will be up there by Friday, I promise. And finally, we come to the point where we have a joke. Here's a joke from listener Avery, who is six years old. Hi, my name is Avery. What does an alien say when it's tired? I'm spacing out. (laughs) Thanks for that, Avery. That's it for today's episode. Next week brings the exciting conclusion of Bebop Tales. What will happen? Hey, you know, I tell you, I love spoiling things, but the fact is I don't remember. I won't know until I start talking about it. So thanks to everyone who has sent in jokes, sounds, and of course, food for me. And we'll see you next week. I'm Amy. I'm Odid. I'm Ethan. I'm Awa. And, and we're, we're a GZM family. Join us and listen to Fourth and Inches. Here, here we, we go, go, brownies. Here we go. <laughs> Three years ago, Brinley Pasternak helped the Anders family uncover the truth about Holiday's past. Now, she'll need them to help her find the truth about hers. Six Minutes Out of Time is the long-awaited sequel to the most downloaded family audio adventure in history. When Cyrus is found unconscious near the mysterious Elixir Academy in Florida, Brinley learns the school may have a shocking connection to her missing mother. All new episodes are available one week early and ad-free for GZM subscribers. Visit gzmshows.com to learn more.